It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover as always. We will preview the upcoming JC's ice fishing extravaganza today. Also talk a little perching on not only Leech Lake, but Malax with Jason Freed and Steve Sapaniak, plus another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby, your one-stop shop for ice fishing in the Cuyuna Lakes area, Lures Fresh Bait, and your propane filling station for the Cuyuna Lakes, Oars and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And to start things off, back with us this week, our good friend Mandy Urich, a contributor here to Brainerd Outdoors. Mandy, welcome back. Brian, it's great to be back. Staying warm? (sighs) Barely. Barely staying warm. (laughs) That's a bit of a tricky thing. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about this weekend. Uh, Number one, uh, something you actually did with the DNR, kind of a roundtable thing we want to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about the JC's extravaganza. And uh, just some overall, you know, fishing ideas and stuff. Uh, we'll start off talking about the DNR, though, and some things that you were part of, kind of a roundtable event that you, you spoke at. Yeah, I, I, this was actually my first time going down and speaking at the DNR roundtable. And it originally started where it was it was fisheries folks and basically invited constituents uh, across the board to get the normal average Joe person's voice heard uh, through through DNR and all the way up the chain. Now it's been combined with eco and, and wildlife, too. So there's multiple entities there. But I got to actually go speak there and I wasn't there on a DNR capacity, which was really <laughs> neat. Um, I got to go speak on behalf of basically being you know a, a female tournament angler and a, a, an angler in general which was really a, a great form to get that word out there so I, I basically spoke about my experiences as being a tournament angler of you know one than less than a, a handful in the state and kind of around some figures by everybody which everybody seemed shocked you know I, I talked about on our even our bass club wallet club sides tournament sides but the numbers and the disparity is between male to female across the board and then basically it was just lobbying for support uh, for our high school you know teams and what's coming up and this kind of this tidal wave that's coming across the nation in our state and you know the program's growing faster than we can keep up with it but we need some additional support from the everyday Joe who can help volunteer and take kids out in the boat to you know even at a, at a state level with hopefully getting some more financial support to help this program continue to grow. They seem pretty receptive to the whole idea. They did seem really receptive. Uh, I I might have made a, a comment or two that people didn't really care for, but there again I was on my own. T- I, I just brought it up. You, know, I, I still feel that you know fishing uh, is still kind of that last dance, good old boys club. You know, it, it it really is, and it shouldn't be because there's no disparity between males and females once you get a fishing rod in their hand. That fish doesn't know who's on the other end. So it was it was really great that they were receptive to understand that you know we really need to continue our efforts as on a nonprofit or organizational side and as a state level side to to continue to grow to get more kids and. Females involved in the sport. And I think it's great that they had somebody like you 
who spends countless hours on the water. But at the same time, you're somebody that's always promoting getting youth involved, especially young women involved in the outdoors. And I think uh, having you uh, raise your voice in a, in a forum like that is going to be helpful. I really hope so. I know that for me it was a really great honor. Yeah. So it's very cool that the DNR reached out to you to get your perspective because, like I said, I mean, you, nobody knows better than tournament anglers and people at the log hours and hours on the lake. I mean, you guys know what you're talking about. So that's kind of a cool thing there. We've got the JC's Ice Fishing Extravaganza coming up, and, and really we've got a lot of uh, anglers that are going to be out on the ice regardless if they're fishing the tournament or not. People like to get out and about. I thought it would be pretty cool to ask you some tips on you know, staying comfortable out there because fishing, as you know, ice fishing is no fun if you're not comfortable. And <sighs> and to stay comfortable, you've got some ideas on how to do that. Absolutely. There's nothing worse than being out on the ice and it's windy and it's cold and you're freezing and you can't feel your fingers and your toes. So I've got a little couple inside t- tips and tactics that I, I would share. You know, obviously you're not going to be moving around a lot if you're there specifically to fish. So that's a problem in itself because your circulation isn't moving if you're not moving. So... <laughs> Obviously, layers, 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 layers with your boots. Um, make sure you're having those wool socks on so it can help wick away that sweat away from your actual skin. But don't forget your hand warmers. Don't forget your boot warmers. But even with that being said, a little trip or tip that I like to use is get those uh, back heating pads and stick them all over your body. Literally stick one right in the middle of your back. Stick one on each side of you uh, on your rib cage, like kind of below your armpit area. And you can even stick one on your belly. Trust me, they are absolutely amazing, and they will make you so much more comfortable. You can always layer up. You know, if you got the layers and you get too warm, you can take it off. But if you don't have enough layers on, you're going to be miserable. Um, Exposed skin. That's another big thing. You know, everybody wants to go out there and sun shining, whatever. My suggestion to people, grab your ski goggles. Like, that area across your eyes, even if you have a barclava on or a baseball cap or a snow cap and a scarf, you still have that exposed skin. Even with sunglasses, the wind whips in through the side, your eyes are watering. Now it's frozen. You, you actually can get frostbite fairly quickly out there. Ski goggles. They got the UV protected in them. They block the wind 100%. You'll be super comfortable. Trust me, who cares if someone's giving you a sideways glance when you're sitting there smiling and you're perfectly warm? Couldn't agree more because uh, my experience out there uh, from shore to center ice where our broadcast location is and then being mobile out there too, we're riding around on side-by-sides and four-wheelers. And one year I just had the sunglasses on like you were saying. Well, I wear contacts. And the wind was whipping out there and one of my contacts blew out. Well, you imagine what that was like being, you know, having <laughs> oh, one no. eye the rest of the day. So what did I do? The next year I went out and I bought ski goggles and I wear them every time when I'm out there. So couldn't agree more. And I, the last one I would say, number one thing, if you're reaching in and out of the hole, you're going to get wet hands. So if you don't already own a pair of waterproof gloves, and a lot of people don't like to fish with, with clunky gloves, and I get it too, I'm one of those people, latex gloves. Go out and get yourself some medical grade latex gloves. You put those on underneath your skinny gloves or top of your big gloves. So when you do need to take them off or you're in a hurry, your hands, the skin actually isn't getting wet and it protects against the wind also. Absolutely. And it doesn't hurt to take a little charcoal out there too. That can be helpful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So anybody gets the chance, if you already haven't seen them and don't know about them, the little tin coffee can charcoal heaters not only are they great to help keep your hands warm but they can also keep your holes open do a quick google search uh and have it come up it'll takes you less than 21 20 minutes to make one yourself yeah so that's something definitely you see a lot of people out there with those but those that are maybe new to it uh it's something that can really help out last thing mandy let's talk a little tactics while we're out there uh, everybody's probably kind of got their own 
You're going to have probably 10,000 people out there. If you're going out there, what would you do? I'm going tooby fishing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure everybody says that. Granted, we have had some walleye and some pike and some bigger perch that have been caught across the board. Um, that bay in itself or the events actually being had, you can kind of hole hop around there when you first get out there or look at a map previous to try and figure out where those that deeper hole is. And that would be my suggestion. Go out to that deeper hole, kind of get away from the crowd if possible, um, and, and go tool be fishing. And if you're going to go tool be fishing, there's a couple tactics that you can use. Um, I love using spoons with a dropper on it. So if that's a Swedish pimple or a, a buckshot or a Lindy fly or something like that. And when I say a dropper rig, it can be anywhere from three inches to 12 inches below that spoon. And you can use a single hook or a small treble hook with live bait on it or a, you know, a head or something like that. I prefer actually to take a super small treble hook and I load that thing up with waxworms. Like it's just a glob of waxworms on that teeny tiny little hook. But two of these in themselves, you know, they're super curious and that flash is basically what attracts them. And I've seen it a lot when I'm walleye fishing on Mille Lacs. Those things chase my, my little swivel up and down, up and down, oh, up and fun. down, yeah. you know, <laughs> and you'll see them right away if you're using electronics. Uh, two of these show up and they, they look like, you know, a giant salmon on there when it, it hits the flasher, but definitely have that, have a spoon. I like silver and gold spoons um, specifically with that dropper. If you're going with a, a smaller spoon, um, I would probably go with a single hook below that. But yeah, he, the, the tactics are, are numerous, but it's all about getting that flash. And yeah, personally, that's what I'd be doing. I'm going tool be fishing. Sure. And for those that maybe want to still you know, work maybe a little shallow, go after a bigger pike, go after walleye, uh, we've seen some decent perch on the board as well. Is that the same thing when you've got all those different presentations? And I always always say this, I'd love to be a fish to be able to see what it looks like down there seeing all these you know, lures down there. For walleye, pike, perch, Mandy, would you want flash more or more of something that makes sound when you've got that many lures down there? Both, actually. And that's there's multiple spoons out there that have rattles in them. And I think that's always a, a great idea to have any kind of uh, sound capabilities. Obviously, sound carries through water and the fish can feel it. So maybe they're not seeing it because you're too far away or there's other lures in the way, but they start hearing um, and feeling those sound vibrations will help as an attractant also. It's always, they say it's always e- easier to get a reaction bite than it is just a straight up forage bite. So that can help with your action bite. There you go. So some pretty interesting tactics. It's going to be a lot of fun out there. Uh, you know, it's going to be chilly. We know that. But uh, I, I think at least the last forecast I saw, the wind is going to die down. So I think that'll be a big thing. No, absolutely. I mean, the wind is what drives our windshield, and it can be six above, but if you get 25-mile-an-hour winds out of the wrong direction, now it's cold. Yeah, that changes the game, so we don't want that. But it looks like that's not going to be the case. So uh, once again, our broadcast, we begin uh, right after Brainerd Outdoors with our uh, basically what we're calling the uh, Ice Fishing Tailgate Party, and that'll take you right up until noon. Then we've got coverage throughout the event and then uh, interviews with the winners afterwards. So it's going to be a full day of coverage here on B93.3. Check us out, uh, 93.3 FM, todaysbestcountry.com, brainerdoutdoorsradio.com, uh, where you can stream it as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun out there. Mandy Urich. Mandy, if people want more information on you, where can they get it? Find me on Facebook, or they can find me on Instagram, they can check us out here live, or they can find us on podcast. There you go. Mandy, I appreciate it, uh, and we will talk to you probably here in the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. Sounds great. Thanks.
All right. When we come back, we'll talk a little perching on Mille Lacs Leach in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. Steve Sapaniak and Jason Freed will join us when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. We bring in Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Jason always keeping us updated on uh, some lake reports from Leech Lake right on down here to the Brainerd Lakes area. And I guess the big thing this weekend, Jason, once again, we're going to be dealing with some cold temperatures. So we're not going to get out and be able to do a little broken field running like we like to do. So we're kind of hunkered down. You know, that's uh, that's the joy. It seems like whenever the extravaganza comes around, we never get... uh... 35, 40 degrees and sunny. It's always uh, snowing or below zero or windy or it always seems like it's something else, which uh, which definitely makes it a little bit more difficult, but it also kind of, you know, adds to the experience as well. Yeah, I think one year maybe we had uh, like 35 and sunny, like you said, and that was awesome that year. But uh, other than that, yeah, it seems to always be something. So let's start on Leech, Jason. Now, what are you hearing up there? Actually, I've been hearing some decent perch, repite, uh, per- perch reports. Um Fish are starting to, you know, kind of show up here on the on the weed flats. Um, you know, once again, we talked a little bit about last week how you got to do some sorting. Um, you know, but uh, there are some nice fish getting caught. Uh, you know, t- typically if you can find some sort of green weeds uh, on on leech, you know, you have a lot of big sand flats, and so we call it sand grass or chara. And uh, a lot of times, if you can find those patches and those weed edges where there's sand spots in and around, that's where you're going to find the perch hanging out. And then typically, if you hang around, those perch will slide out in the evening. And that's when the walleyes will move in on those shallow flats as well. So, you know, if you're going to attack perch on Leech Lake this time of year, uh, like I said, a lot of sorting. uh, But look anywhere from, you know, four up to about 10 feet of water. uh, Drill a lot of holes. Uh, I would upsize your presentations uh, to try to keep some of those smaller perch away. Uh, I I like to use full minnows, uh, eighth-ounce jigging spoons. Um, You know, minnow heads, fine. I even like to use plastics sometimes with them just to be aggressive. Uh, walleyes have been kind of up and down. We've had these fronts moving in and through. Um, you know, once again, the best walleye bites been during those short, small windows of time. Uh, and as well as getting away from the crowds, it's been a lot of fishing pressure, uh, now that people can get around the lake quite a bit. So, you know, the people who are able to get off on the new spots, find new uh, areas. And then a big thing, especially on the main lake, has been finding transition areas. And so, you know, one piece of advice I would have is if you don't have one, invest in an underwater camera because, you know, when you're using sonars and stuff, it's really hard to sometimes tell the, the bottom composition sometimes. Or, you know, if you have a really good eye, you can tell, but for most people, it's tough. So having an underwater camera, and if you're going to go drop your wheelhouse or run around your portable, can save you a lot of time to find those areas where maybe it's transitioning from sand to gravel, gravel to mud, sand to mud. Uh, and those have been the areas where the fish have been really roaming because there's, you know, bugs are hatching, and so you're going to find perch, you're going to find tulabies. Uh, you're going to find walleyes all mixed in around those areas. And then uh, pike, um, you know, here in pike getting caught in a lot of the weedy bays, like Steamboat, Miller's Bay, uh, you know, guys throwing tip-ups out and catching pikes. So but overall, that's kind of the leech report. So what are you hearing here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area? Anything special there? You know, just a lot of the same stuff, you know. Uh, people are in and around. A lot of people are fishing panfish. Uh, a lot of the reports, you know, people are out fishing on the gull chain, uh, fishing a lot of local lakes. And then, like I said, looking for those basins. Um, I think sometimes people, they look too deep for crappies. Um, you know, they, they look at these 45, 50-foot holes. Those, those holes don't seem to hold as much as the basins that top out at about 30 uh, to 35, even 25. And, you know, I always have my best luck in the winter when I'm fishing in those basins. It seems to hold more fish. Um, and you're going to find crappies. You're going to find bluegills uh, mixed in, as well as weed flats. 
you know, those crappies are going to move in and out uh, as well in the evenings. You can find those fish. You know, a lot of these lakes, um, you know, have really nice cabbage flats uh, or weed flats where these fish can move in and out, especially in the evenings. And so, you know, you can catch bass, you can catch bluegills, and then it seems like in the evening, sometimes these crappies, if they're not out in the basin, they'll slide up onto these weed flats and they'll feed in the evenings. But uh, walleyes, uh, the best bite's been deeper, uh, fishing deeper structures, uh, underwater humps, breeze bars, um, points, uh, and then once again, kind of taking advantage of those feeding windows. Uh, haven't gotten a lot of walleye reports, haven't really uh, talked to a whole lot of people. There's a lot of people I've been talking to, and the couple times I've been out, uh, I've been mainly trying to fish for panfish and crappies. Which actually is not the bad way to go because I would imagine, Jason, they're not as affected by these super cold fronts that we have roll in as, say, the walleyes and the, the, the pike as well. Yeah, no, for sure, you know, and walleyes especially seem to be a little bit more temperamental. Pike, I always say pike or pike, they always like to bite, it seems like, you know, and, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I like to gear my, you know, in the winter, I mean, it's it's best to sometimes go and try to fish for the action bites, and, you know, a lot of times those, those crappies and those bluegills are going to be a little bit more aggressive, and, and you could you know, try to put a few more fish on the bite, and so it all, all comes down to how many, you know, how many bites you're after. I mean, if you really want to get on a, a pretty decent walleye bite right now, it's slowed down a little bit, but, you know, head over to Malax. Uh, you know, you get out on the mud flats or on the gravel out there on Malax, and, you know, it's not, hasn't, has been as good, but still people are still catching a variety of fish and, and really, you know, having a great, you know, just a great weekend out there, you know. So lots of options. Uh, if, if something isn't working for you in the area, if you're not having a good luck, you know, good luck on one of your lakes, go try another lake. There you go. Great advice from Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check him out at leisureoutdooradventures.com and obviously all over social media as well. Jason, I appreciate it. Stay warm this weekend. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. Out to Malax we go for the report out there. As always, Steve Saponiak with Predator Guide Service joins us. And, Steve, here we go into another bitter cold weekend. And we've always said with Malax, uh, a little bit, even in the open water season, Malax can be, as we like to call, a little psycho with weather changes, and it can change things on a dime out there. Um, you actually, earlier this week, were out there doing some fishing, did pretty well. What are you looking at going into the weekend? You know, that's a great, great question, Brian. With a massive cold front and everything, you know, an extreme, extreme weather change, let's be honest, you know, we're, we're sitting up in the higher teens, you know, during midweek, and all of a sudden with wind chill, we're down to 20-some below. You're going to be looking at a small, small, slower presentation. Downsize your lures, downsize your fishing line. Don't be afraid to go out there with four-pound test, get, you know, give it a good shot. And I would go with uh, two options right now. I would go with a, uh airplane jig type or jig and rapala, you know, try to fish a little bit more aggressively. But in the same case, have your dead stick close by. Okay, here's the trick. Have that dead stick within 10 feet of your jigging outfit. Have your shiner minnow. I, I would definitely use the shiner with a cold front. No more than four inches off the bottom, maybe six at the very most. I prefer four inches. Okay, walleyes, northern pike, muskies, bass, they're all top-line predators. They do the same thing a timber wolf will do. They'll circle around, take a look at that bait before they hit it. They'll circle around. Well, if they're not going to take your jig and wrap, or your airplane-type jig, they're going to circle around into a nice, lively shiner middle. Get the biggest you can find when it's that bad and everything, and give that a try. I think you're going to be uh, pleasantly surprised at what you're going to pick up. When it comes to this type of conditions, too, Steve, everybody always wants to say, let's go a little deeper here in the wintertime. Do you want to maybe, if, if you can stay shallow, if there are fish there, or do you want to work deeper? I prefer to work deeper this time of year. You know, a lot of the uh, walleyes that are, were in the bays, a lot of them have moved out. A lot of them, Brian, are still in the bays, but they're moving out for two reasons. They're moving out from excessive pressure and noise from 
the anglers, and they're moving out you know, to follow the forage. This time of year, okay, we're going into the February pattern. They're going to be foraging on uh, schools of uh, tulipy, whitefish, and minnows, and those schools of forage are going to be in the main basin. So I would definitely be on the main great big uh, mud flats out there. I'd be hitting the great big gravel bars out there. Uh, I would fish early in the morning, late in the evening. Now remember, we got a lot of snow out there. You know, let's let's face it, we got over 10 inches for us right now this time of year. That's a lot of snow for Minnesota and the lakes. That diffuses the light, so your best chance of bites are early in the morning, late in the evening. What about the perch out there, Steve? I know a lot of people have been buzzing a little bit uh, about the perch bite on Mille Lacs. Normally, you know, Lake Bemidji is what we talk about, Winnie for, for jumbo perch. But Mille Lacs, it, it may not be what it used to be, but I, I think it's coming back. Oh, it's definitely coming back. We've got an overabundance of 6 to 8 inches, 6 to 9 inches. Yes, we're picking up some of the bigger ones like we used to many years ago. You know, Brian, you know for a fact it was nothing, you know, not that many years ago to get uh, get your limit of 12 to 14, 12 to 15 inches. You know, those days are, are gone, but there's still some big ones. Uh, but, yeah, we have an overabundance of that year class. Those perch are getting bigger. And, you know, you don't have to go out to the flats. You can go anywhere. You know, I used to go right in the middle of Cold Bay, and I would come back with, uh, you know, my family and I. There's five of us all together. We'd come back with uh, just about a five-gallon pail, you know, with uh, 30, 40 perch in and the thing was just about full. Those were big fish. And one last thing on, on Mille Lacs, Steve, uh, for those that maybe want to target pike, uh, are we still waiting maybe for later ice on something like that, or would it hurt to put a tip-up out? Oh, definitely put a tip-up out. Go out and have fun. The pike are there. They're going to be biting. You know, uh, you got to take so many little ones before you can have your big one and everything. We understand how that goes. You know, Mille Lacs is special with its own regulations. But go have fun. The pike have been going fairly decent. I have no complaints about what we're catching, what we're seeing. I uh, don't don't talk to too many guys who are spearing, but those I have talked to have been uh, following the laws, you know, and they've been doing pretty good, too. They take their two or three under how many inches before they're allowed the one over 40. And, you know, it's been working out okay for them, too. So definitely go for pike. I love those toothy critters, especially this time of year. And, and one last thing I wanted to touch on, too, Steve, I, I kind of saw on social media you did, too. Some of the resort owners out there, sometimes they don't get the credit that they get for putting in, you know, the time they're putting the houses out there, plowing the roads, you know, coming out and checking on clients and all that other stuff. I mean, what I can say on this, and just to be general on it, be nice and, and appreciate what they do. Definitely, Brian. I, I know for a fact, because I've been up on Mille Lacs Lake, I hate to give this away, over 50-some years, you know, love that lake. Those men and women work their butts off. I know a lot this time of year, a lot of them don't get much sleep after two, three days, you know, going straight, you know, maybe two, three hours a night. They can't wait to get a night when they can get caught up, but they work hard. They do a great job ensuring your safety. They're doing these roads to ensure your safety, so please, please, don't drive over 10 miles an hour. Don't drive over 8. That's what breaks these roads all up. Give these people respect, and and you know what? Everybody's going to have fun in the long run. Yeah, I mean, have, and when you're out there, have fun and, and have a good time and all that, but just be respectful of what they're putting out there for a product for you. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? It's a darn good product. That's for sure. There you go. Steve Saponiak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. As always, Steve, I appreciate it. We will talk to you soon, buddy, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. More of Branded Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and a nice treat this week. We are lucky enough to be joined by Sheila Bolt. Sheila is the Conservation Outreach Specialist 
with Crowing Soil and Water. Uh, Sheila, welcome to Brainerd Outdoors. Thank you, Ryan. Glad to have you on the show this week. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, some things with forestry, uh, what you guys do with Crowing Soil and Water, some events you guys have coming up, uh, including a tree sale that we have talked about in the past on the show. That's coming up here real soon. Yes, exactly. Our tree sale is now open as of January 1st through the end of February. And we have all native species of trees, shrubs, including flowering fruit species for wildlife and plants and seeds too, all native to this area. And that's kind of a neat thing. You mentioned people like to plant them for wildlife, uh, Mm -hmm. birds, deer, uh, other bears, uh, maybe even so. But there's some other things that come into that too that, that really can help your property in a lot of ways. Yes. And thankfully, in addition to we do have the tree sale going on, we do also have forestry programs that can help landowners cost-share some of those you know, costs to offset, to help offset those costs of planting trees and shrubs. And we generally cost-share uh, 75% of projects, and that can be even shoreline projects, large forestry projects, anything like that, uh, give our office a call. And Clayton, our forester, can help with that. We've had Clayton on the show before. He's talked a lot about some of the different, you guys got a variety of different trees and shrubs out there too, so a little bit of something for everybody. Yes, we have everything from evergreens, maple, oak. um, And then like I mentioned too, we also do have plant species that are native to the area for shoreline restoration, rain gardens, uh, things like that too. Maybe talk a little bit about the impact uh, and the reason that people wanted. There's some people that understand, you know, if you're a property owner and stuff, why you would want to, you know, plant more trees, plant more shrubs. But maybe there's some that aren't quite educated on the impact of, of uh, planting something like this. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, some of the non-native species that you might purchase might not have as deep of root system, and that can go both for trees, shrubs, and plant species. And the important thing about that is they are not filtering the water, uh, specifically, of course, shoreline areas. They are not filtering out any of the toxins, um, pollutants, and slowing down the water to prevent erosion. So a lot of times we have people call in, and we can do site visits for people, too, on their property. And we notice that a part of their problem is that they just don't have those deep-rooted species, uh, like I said, even tree species along the shore, that are going to help to hold the bank. And that's kind of the thing. So it's a little bit of something for everybody, mm-hmm. whether you're somebody that has lakeshore property, river shore property, or somebody that maybe just has hunting property, these yes. things all come into play. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So people want more information on the tree sale. You mentioned it's ongoing right now. Yes, through the end of February. And I just want to make note that we have changed our pickup location in May. So you can pre-order on our website or by calling into our office. And we will have the pickup now the first weekend of May at the Crowing County Fairgrounds, the Curling Center building. There you go. And uh, maybe the phone number and website, and we'll maybe yep. mention that at the end of the segment too. But maybe. Sure. Our phone number at our office is 218-828-6197. Our website is crowwingswcd.org. Before we get into some of the other events in, in February you guys have coming up, I, I did, Sheila, want to talk about forestry in general. You touched on mm-hmm. some of the things uh, that, that impacts it. But, I mean, the more and more we get into this, the more and more impact that I see it has, not only in the Brainerd Lakes area, but across Minnesota. Yes, and there are a lot of great resources in our area. We don't just utilize our own office resource of, like, Clayton, our forester, but also private foresters and uh, contractors in the area. A lot of times we can help connect landowners 
with other outside private foresters to implement the projects that they want to see on their property. So even if it is related to deer, turkey, other wildlife species that you'd like to do openings, uh, maybe we can help work with you, the landowner, connect you with the right uh, forester, even a timber harvest company to get the job done. And it's really important to manage your forest property for specific wildlife uh, or the use that you'd like to see there. Could be something like uh, maybe I want more pines in my forest. Maybe I want something like more oak trees in my forest. You guys can help with that. Yeah, and uh, we can't emphasize enough that it's very beneficial for both wildlife, ecology of the forest to manage it to some degree. Uh, We do work a little bit with invasive species, and that is a problem in some of our area. And we can help to identify the invasive species and potentially get funding to help get them out of the forest. So a lot of things happening there. Uh, You also have some events coming up here in the month of February that are going to impact people. Yes. One thing that some landowners in the listening area probably know about is conservation easements. And I myself do the processing for currently four different easement programs. What they are is a landowner that's on a riparian piece of property uh, that meets our minimum requirements of size, shoreline, et cetera, can get a one-time 60% payment of their land value to say that they won't develop the property. So this works great for anyone that has hunting property in the area where they can still hunt, you can still have trails, recreate, whatnot, but you just can't develop. And that is uh, protecting the shoreline, both habitat and our water quality along a lot of important streams, uh, including Mississippi River, the Pine River. um, That goes into Cass County also, that program. And we do have, uh, in the future, hopefully some more wild rice easement funding. And then a new grant that we have actually is in Crowing and Aiken on specific lakes. So if you're thinking about preserving your property, um, you've got about 20 or more acres, give us a call and we can see if you qualify for one of those two. And and yes, we're having an event I'd like to invite everybody to February 21st. That's going to be at Rutgers uh, Bay Lake Lodge, and that is going to be from 4 to 6 p.m. And landowners are invited to learn more about the forestry, our tree sale, and conservation easement programs. And we're going to have speakers from the Department of Natural Resources Forestry, uh, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, as well as Aiken, so in the Water District, too. Are you finding people getting involved in this a little bit more? I always wonder about this because we talk about it a lot on the show. We've had a lot of people from Crowing Soil and Water on the show. But, I mean, are are people getting on board with something like this, or is this something that you guys want to continue to push to get more people involved? It has definitely grown. The interest is there. People that already have ideas of what they want to do on their property, whether it is preserving or related to the tree species, plants, erosion, a lot of people know, but they just don't know where to get the resources to complete the projects. So peace of mind is what yes. we want people involved in. So uh, one more time, Sheila, if more people want information on the tree sale, where can they get that? Yep, you can get more information uh, even by coming into our office. We are located at the Crow Wing County Land Services building in the lower level. You can come on in. We can get you an order form. Or our phone number is 218-828-6197. And our website is www.crowwingswcd.org. And the event coming up at Rutgers, more information on that? Yep, and you can call us, too, to get many more information. That will be on our website. 
um, as well as our Facebook page, too, Crow Wing Soil and Water Conservation District Facebook page. We'll keep that up to date. There you go. Sheila Bolt, she is the Conservation Outreach Specialist with Crow Wing Soil and Water. Sheila, it's been great having you on the show. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Thank you, and I want to say thank you to any of our present, past tree sale customers. We really appreciate it. We have a lot of returning customers. So thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Sheila. We'll talk to you soon. More of Branded Outdoors after this on B93.3. Time for our Famish Fisherman recipe here on Brainerd Outdoors, and we bring in Chef Joel at Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North in Baxter. Here we are, Joel, and you right on point have got a walleye recipe for us. And once again, uh, it looks really simple, yet at the same time, perfect for this weekend, grilled walleye with balsamic tomatoes. So we're going to start off with a preheated grill, get that to a nice medium-high heat, get a couple of nice, nice big walleye fillets, rub them down with a little bit of uh, olive oil. And just do a little salt and pepper on there and set those aside, let the seasoning soak in a little bit. Take a nice big mixing bowl and some cherry tomatoes, get those nice and cut in half. Toss those into a a little bit of olive oil and balsamic vinegar. Mix those two together, the oil and vinegar together, kind of whip it together. Add in your tomatoes, a little bit of fresh chopped basil, some fresh garlic, some salt and pepper. Just kind of combine that together, you know, nice and gently. Don't want to break the tomatoes up too much. Let that sit at room temperature, you know, 10, 15 minutes or so. In the meantime, we can start grilling our fish. Just toss them on a nice hot grill, you know, give them a quarter turn, get a nice grill mark in there, four to five minutes each side, and serve your walleye with uh, top with balsamic tomatoes and a little bit of Parmesan cheese on top. Got a good dish. Perfect for taking to the cabin. There is no doubt about Perfect. that. Yeah. One question, if somebody didn't want to grill, but maybe they didn't have access or something like that, but maybe could do something on a skillet or something like that, can you make variations for this? Definitely. You could even do... Um, you know, broil off your fish, you know, a little bit of oil or oil and butter, water and butter. Or, uh, yeah, even a nice simple pan fry would be good on this, too. There you go. So if you want to give it a try, just head to our uh, website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipes tab. you got this one and a ton of other recipes for you to check out. That's grilled walleye with balsamic tomatoes, our famished fisherman recipe for this weekend. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North in Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vernal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bymert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Roberts Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.